Hi, welcome back to the podcast. This week we have Philip Beck. Philip recently announced he's stepping down as CEO of Luware. He was founder and CEO for 14 years. Uh, he's been a really great supporter of everything I've been doing and uh, Luware have been a really big supporter of Empowering Cloud. So really thank them for their continued support. In this conversation, we got into the Luware journey, the journey from on-prem to cloud and some of the benefits of being in the cloud. SOC 2 compliance and going through that process. Power Automate and Power Platform and how they integrate there. And also some of the new features coming to Luware. And of course, we got into AI, AI in the contact center, some of the opportunities there, but also some of the risks and the compliance considerations. Really hope you enjoy this conversation. If you've got any comments, questions or feedback, do let us know. Thanks again to Philip and Luware and on with the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the pod. Uh, excited for this one. Uh, Philip is a, a long-term friend and has been a big supporter of Empowering Cloud uh, and always get to, good to get his perspective. Uh, Philip Beck, uh, do you want to just give us a, a bit of an intro and background, please? Sure. Um, thank you very much, Tom, for having me here today. A quick one to my person. I'm CEO and founder of a company called Luware. We do customer experience or customer service application on top of Microsoft UC stack since about 14 years now. Always been purely on Microsoft, strongly related to Microsoft. Try to get the maximum out of what Microsoft is able to give away through the API functionality and make the whole Microsoft ecosystem kind of work with the use cases our customers are actually asking for. Right? There is a, a big focus on customer service, contact center scenarios, but also a focus on compliance recording. So for all the big regulated industries, there's always a big thing about, yeah, we need to get that under the regulations and how can we actually make that work? And there we help as well. That's a short summary about me and what we are doing here. Thanks. Yeah, and I like that's where you sit. Obviously, uh, I've worked with you guys pre-empowering cloud as well. And it's interesting because it's a cloud first journey, but also your background is highly compliant customers, highly regulated customers. So it's that fun journey of, of regulation and the cloud at the same time. Yeah, you can say fun, right? I would say <laughs> it is It is definitely an interesting journey. We started with the on-prem business, as I said, 14 years ago, uh, doing it all on OCS, Link, uh, Sky for Business at the end. Uh, and then there come the cloud around, and about five years ago, we started to build our solution again from scratch. Um, that was a heavy investment. Um, we started, until we have been able to sell it, was about two and a half or three years' time until we actually got there. But we really believe that the cloud is the next big thing, and we need to make sure that we do not have this kind of old bags with us, uh, which drags along, and we cannot really do it. So we try to um, get the newest technology at that point in time, making sure it's going to scale, making sure it's adaptive to new needs and we can easily replace some stuff or build new some stuff. And also, if we go and look now about three years back with all the COVID, people from home, um, the, the stuff where, where data centers come less and less important over time. As regulations now allow as well to run things in public clouds, that was a massive push for us. And we also see that gratefully on the last year's numbers. So that was really an interesting, but a hard journey. But yes, when you say we started as an on-prem business selling licenses and now our really core business and yeah, more than 70% of our revenue comes from recurring revenue. That was a really interesting time on that shift 
to get there where we are today. Yeah. Let's talk about last year and what you've done with the cloud platforms. I know you've dropped some new features, some omni-channel capabilities. Where's the best place to start in terms of things added last year? Yeah, the, the good thing is when you are on the cloud and you have the bundle or you have built it the way that it is running with all the principles you have in the cloud, then it's easy to just update feature by feature uh, when you are done developing and also easy to being able to update the platform, which then enables cu- all the customers who are running on that platform using the new functionality. So we have pushed out about 30 to 40 features over the last year. And you, yeah, you, you said it right. Um, it was the year of Omnichannel. It was a lot about chat, external task, email is for now just around the corner. And there, yeah, if you have that on this multi or on this cloud platform, that's really great, right? You can update it and customers can actually use it on the next day when that feature is available. We wouldn't have been able to do that on the on-premise side, to be really fair, with about seven, 800 customers now on the public cloud infrastructure. If you would have to update all the on-premise infrastructure, no chance. It's a non-starter, isn't it? Right. And, and the customers don't want to patch either. Particularly with contact center, they're, they're nervous. So the fact you take care of it for them service side is amazing because they inherit that benefit. The other thing is you inherit the benefit of the bigger Microsoft cloud platform, right? So as Microsoft had capabilities, you can leverage those capabilities into your solution. Yeah, that's definitely true. So when you look on chat and how we build chat, we are using ACS and other technology. Right, all the text-to-speech stuff is, of course, um, done by Azure uh, text-to-speech services. So yep. that's um, building it, as we started five years ago, the, one of the main goal was building a solution which is embedded within the Microsoft ecosystem as close as possible, right? Wherever we see something which is within uh, Microsoft and already available within M365 or Azure, then we're going to take that. We do not have to rebuild this. Um, so I can use the developers here we have to actually build the new features around the contact center rather than do baseline, which has been done already by 20, 30 people. So that's really the advantage as well from building into the uh, Microsoft ecosystem. And was an example, um, I can tell you that we are just around the corner to get officially pushed out and the Power Automate certified connector. And that's again a statement on how this goes and uh, how tight we actually are integrated within the Microsoft ecosystem. And with the Power Automate, it's fun of what we sometimes see the customer is, uh, is actually able to build in a contact center scenario, connecting their CRMs, uh, connecting other databases or information sources he has, and really cool use cases. And I'm pretty happy that we actually, it, it was a painful journey. It took us about four or five months to actually get there because of the Microsoft processes. But yeah, we got there finally, and I'm really happy we have been able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, we did a webinar on that earlier, or late last year, actually, and, and, and some use cases and examples and, and showed in real time how it works. And it does unlock all sorts of value, but it also unlocks, as you said, the customers do it themselves. So they can then extend with Power Platform into all sorts of scenarios because you're providing that connector, which is really nice. Yeah, that a lot in the low-code space, right? Everyone would do something low-code. Yeah, I've seen that in the contact center already. Back in the days, it was 
an amazing when there was a graphical call flow yeah, editor, workflow. right? We could, we could, yeah, you, exactly. you have the workflow, and that was 14 years ago on leading well, I, edge, I, right? I remember UCCE uh, like selling those big back when I was at Cisco side. And it was like 12 weeks of scripting you'd sell to, to configure the contact center. And then we got those drag and drop builders. That was revenue. That was really cool. And now you're going to think of, you can do all the integrations. You have still to code in many of the contact centers into CRM, webhooks. It's all open platform, but you need to write still code in most of the cases. Mm. Not all of them, but in most of the cases. And um, what we have seen over the last two years and the adoption of the power platform to actually do simple stuff and get parameters back and the routing decision back on data. And that's fairly easy. And as you said, yes, that's uh, that the customer can actually do it himself. And that's the great value you're going to see there. Sometimes a little bit tricky on the support side, but it definitely unlocks a lot of value for the customer. And I'm really happy. It's also a great partner opportunity i've seen certainly some europe partners doing this where they will sell Luware. obviously they'll make some margin on the Luware, but then they make more opportunity out of the extensibility because they'll help the customer with that yeah completely agree especially if a partner focuses on that right there is sometimes where you have a partner yeah we do the telephony and the uc and some of them have already identified oh yeah there's where we can bring value to the customer and we have very successful partners who are doing exactly that. Yeah, I have this conversation with partners all the time and like particularly new partners into the space that are like telephony is just not as hard as it used to be. Like and I used to do it, right? It was racking and stacking gateways and it was complexity and like you've still got porting, but like it's so much easier, particularly knowledge workers, whereas that contact center space, like I think we're up to 24 certified providers by Microsoft, which basically means that's not even a shortlist anymore. So you have to help the customer understand all these differences, all these capabilities. But then with contact center, it's either business impacting, revenue generating, service impacting. So you're into reporting, you're into workflows, you're into AI, which I know we're going to get to. There's lots of value and excitement in that space. Definitely true. I see, I see an important factor more and more, as you say, the regulated industries, of course, as we are working as well with regulated industries. It gets very important for us and our customers that the data stays secure, right? And data secure, there are various different certification. We have found out for us and for our customers, SOC 2 Type 2 is actually the best we can do where we can guarantee our customer data confidentiality, uh, making sure we have the security stuff in place. And, and that was a big shift as well, or a big lift last year. For I was going to say, you, you, you've just glossed over that. That's a massive effort to yeah. get that certification. Yeah. It's non-trivial. It, it was really a massive effort. For those who are knowing what the ISO 27001 means and, and SOC, and you want to compare it, it's pretty easy by saying ISO, you have to convince the auditor that you're doing it right. SOC, you have to prove the auditor that you're doing it right. And it just needs a lot, much more proof and all of the evidence you need to collect to make sure that they actually believe you that this is how it should be, which is good for our customers because it's not something we try to do. It's something we actually do and have proof that we are actually doing it. So I'm, I'm really happy uh, we got into that. There was a lot of process changes internally, um, but of course it looks now, or we are as well proud of ourselves on those processes and have those implemented. As a company with about 130 people, right, it's still... I would say mid-size and not large, but um, having being able to push that through beside everything else we had last year and the growth, of course, uh, was a big yeah. thing as well. I'm really happy about the team that we have been able to push that. Yeah, that's amazing. And 
you know you yourselves are in that range but your customers obviously are a lot bigger so things like SOC 2 that that that's some of their baseline requirements yeah they they use that to actually as you said that's where we're coming from when you look on the list of the certified vendors yeah look on the list and then look for in the enterprise segment who is having SOC 2 type 2 and then the list shrinks to a short list again, which you can actually use. Yeah. Yeah. We have a look. So plug for our research, which people can get to on the community. We have a comparison of all the vendors for recording, all the vendors for contact center. And as you say, you take a connect versus extend that immediately drops the list massively. But people don't often understand that then you're into like, what's the minimum seat count? Is it true cloud? Can you self-service? Things like this start to separate away. The other one that's hard for us to quantify is referenceability of genuinely teams first customers because there's some really big players on that list by brand that we all know but i'm like how many teams integrated teams native solutions they actually have versus just getting the badge so uh, yeah check out the research if you want to start comparing uh, what your options are it's it's just an easy answer for us it's a hard <laughs> i have to i have to play the even card for that uh, yeah i think Sorry. You, you guys are yeah. definitely up there <laughs> No. Um, so let's, let's talk about, because I want to get onto AI, right? And we haven't really prepped this for people listening in because I wanted to have this debate live. So I know you've started on the AI journey. But what have you got so far? For so it? on the AI journey, I mean, especially if you look on the Gartner hype cycle, is on the top of the hype when it comes to the contact center, right? So yeah, you can do everything. So now it comes down to what brings you actual value? <clears throat> I go first a little bit back into last year. We have built over the last quarter of last year and the automatic transcription. So we have built in again from talking from Azure, not uh, doing ourselves the speech uh, to text. Now we have the speech to text. We have the mood in our system. We get that data out of the call, nicely distributed. What was Tom saying? What was Philip saying? So we can easily have those streams and, and get a good text representative. As I believe, being a Microsoft ecosystem, getting that out of Microsoft is probably the best choice anyway. Again, it falls under SOC, making sure that not all, not different vendors are in the play or we need to write to Google or yeah, whatever. Yeah, where's your data going? Yeah, is it staying exactly. in the, the, so, the single vendor? So we have that transcription now. And funny with the possibility we have on the Power Automate, we can actually today make that in a summary and write it into CRM. And there is where I actually see for now and the next probably one or two quarters, the, the biggest value. Also had a talk with Forrester and they accidentally agreed on that. But the biggest value is on the efficiency of agent for the next yeah. couple of quarters. Let's put it this way. You can also use that data then to create FAQ or to use the FAQ to give the agent three possible FAQ articles. So even that helps, especially at the moment when you there are new starters, um, to get them up to speed really fast, and as well to try, and, try to train the AI on that discussion, which is the right answer, um, that when the learning there is at a certain point, you then can go and move it in front, where you're going to say, okay, look, my opening hours are between 8 and 5, when you're going to call at, at 8 p.m., that then probably I do not have agents around, but you can talk to a virtual agent if you want and try to figure out if this person or the virtual agent yeah. can actually sort that problem. And then get some first experience around that. And if that works well, 
Yes. Now, there is a possibility to put it in front of the customer at day one. Oh. Yeah, that's that's what I'm excited about. So we're definitely into kind of 2021 vision now, aren't we? But like it, 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 right now, that agent coaching is a really safe first step because you've still got the person with the customer. And I know, again, the kind of customers you work with, it, the information can't be wrong. So right, like that, that's a risk with AI. And we all know hallucinations are risk right now. But I can definitely see a future, particularly with businesses like simple use cases, like you say, open hours, where's my order? Where I, as a, a caller in, or, or I guess a chatter or a viewer, a video potentially, can self-select, say, I'm, I'm happy to engage with an AI agent. I know what I'm getting myself into. I've elected to do that. And I would, I'm a bit technology first, obviously, but I would do that every single time because I, I want the instant answer, probably the instant question. I know there's some very skilled agent scenarios where you're always going to need a person, but a lot of contact center traffic is just the person, like you say, working on FAQ, working off a, a scripted answer. The AI, in theory, should be able to do quite a good job of that. Yes. So now the theory is right. You're, you're completely right. on. In practical terms, that looks slightly different. So how do you train the AI? It should. You, you said it right, mm. it should. Um, but it doesn't. What I believe is there needs a lot of, AI needs a lot of training data. And to get to that training data, you need to figure out how to get, or how do you produce that training data? You can use knowledge base, you can use internal documents, whatever it is, but it still needs on the interaction side, some stuff, right? And therefore, mm -hmm. I believe it is good if an agent, if you use the agent at the beginning to say, Okay, yes, that's the right article from the FAQ. That's the right article. And if you hit there a certain amount, then you can actually use that and say, okay, I'm 99% sure that this is the right answer and you can let the AI run. But you always need to think AI is only as good as the training data. Yeah. And, and we are not talking generative AI here uh, because it needs to have company internal knowledge and getting that data data inside the AI, of course, it can it work correctly and it figures out what that comes from the generative part, but getting the point where you use that data, put it in um, training into a training exercise for the AI, and then use that to get it out. Yeah, you're going to have to build your own LLM with your own data because you don't want it. And we've seen, uh, I'm sure you've seen it as well, we've all seen gimmicky demos where someone slaps the OpenAI API in front of a conversation and it does something, right? It looks impressive at a glance because it's engaging, but that's where your business risk is highest because it's just that general model taking a stab at an answer based on a giant training set. So you're going to have to train it with your FAQ, your data, and you want a smooth transition. Like you want to train the AI if it doesn't know the answer, transition to agent. Yeah, don't try and make up an answer here, yeah. just transition. Yeah, there, that's where we see a lot of customers actually asking for, can you build this? Because we already have a chatbot with a bot kind of thing, but there is always a difficulties to hand it over to an agent and, and that stuff. So we, we rather go down a little bit in functionalities, but we have it in one system. We see a lot of that consolidation going on right now. And mm. another thing which I would say is a difference of what we have seen before um, inside AI in the past, uh, to the new one is because of this chat GPT, you need less training data, right? You definitely need less because the whole semantics, how a sentence is built, how it's worked nicely and so on, that knowledge is already in general. Now you need to treat the specifics 
on that. So you can say the little kid has grown, so you do not need to teach the first five years of a kid growing yeah. up. Uh, you need to give him a new job and probably train them for two weeks very hard on that new job. That's about the time scale frame and the scale I, I see it um, on that. And I really believe it's it's much faster. You need much less training data, but you still need to. And especially, and one big thing I I would like to mention is, um, especially in our industries where things change and are regulatory regulatory need to be regulatory compliant, is when a regulatory change at time at the first of January, let's say first January twenty twenty four, regulatory change. How mm. do I train the AI in before? that at that day, at midnight, it doesn't respond in the old way, but the new way. Yeah, you cannot really learn from one. training data you had throughout the last two years of experience. You need to have a model somehow on how you can replace that information. I'm just going to say, I think the only thing I would trust today is to build a whole second model, have it ready, cut it over, because I wouldn't trust, like, I, I'm not expert on AI by any stretch, but I wouldn't trust anything other than I've tested this model 17 times, 17 ways, 17, and it always comes up with a new right answer. Yeah. And then you can still have something getting the wrong answer because you only tried yeah. 17 times, right? I, I wonder if we'll end up with AI in customers that are big enough, AI center of excellence is within the contact center business of like their job is not anywhere near being an agent or a contact center manager. Their job is to run this, understand and help feed the engine, run the model, test the model, because it, it is a skill in the same right. Yeah, it is a skill in the same one. And you can discuss if that's inside the company or with a partner. And yep. it, it depends on how often you're going to change and how dynamic you would like to have it. And there is always this battle. Oh, and, and, and who you want to hold the risk. Some companies exactly. quite like having a partner hold the risk. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other point. Yeah. And for us, it's just important that we integrate with that model, which we believe has the, the biggest biggest structure in the market. And for now, it's for us, Azure, yeah, the Azure OpenAI stuff. Yeah, it's for, fortuitous or however you want to look at it. You, you, you're obviously so aligned to Microsoft. Microsoft have bet on OpenAI so you can run all that in Azure. But also Microsoft are offering other models in Azure as well. So you've got options there, which is great. Definitely. Yeah. And I think over the next kind of 12 months, we will see some frustrated contact center operator out in the market because what they hoped will actually not materialize and we will see some very happy and in about 12 months time it will get to let's say commodity more and more it will it's still yeah. on the early adoption phase and and some will probably uh, have a hard time there but it will pay out at the end i strongly believe that's actually the way to go yeah, I, th I think it's inevitable on some timeline. I don't, I don't think anybody can bank on the exact timeline, but I think the two verticals that are immediately interesting for AI is education. I think if you look at that model of like certainly traditional classroom education of one person to 25 children, generic goes at the slowest pace. That's really interesting where AI can add value of one-to-one -one experiences. And then contact center where it's very people heavy and it's very data heavy. And, and let's be honest that the average user experience as an end user is often not fantastic. There's lots of room for improvement there. So like those two industries are, are going to be disrupted. And then when I look at contact center more specifically, what are the big players going to do that are on the traditional big cost per agent model? Are they ready to disrupt themselves? And I'm not sure they are. So it'll be interesting. Completely agree. 
And I believe in the first phase, we're going to see a lot of the agent efficiency. As I said, right, agent turnover or staff turnover is a, a huge problem typically in a contact center. Uh, you would like to get them as good and far skilled up as possible, and you would like yeah. to get them as efficient as possible. And especially if you talk summary, um, everyone writes it slightly different. Some forget about it. Then if you get that automated, that just helps the business so much. And then, yeah, I see the first customer that was an interesting discussion very early this year was about, hey, if I can get that automated by by an AI, and I would like to use my people then to, or I would like the open AI trigger when there is an upsell potential. And having ah. my people actually then got pulled in and try to do an upsell because AI that's really doesn't make upsell, but no, really that's a really the, good use case. Yeah. Right? You need, you still need that humanity of feeling out what the customer's not saying and what questions I should ask. You're right. AI is nowhere near that yeah, yet. That's that, really interesting. But, but this, we have seen a couple of companies moving from a cost center to a revenue center in the, in the customer service, right? In the contact center. And therefore I see it's interesting to see where that goes. If that was just a one off or if that the see to get a trend in the industry and they say, Hey, yeah, okay. I, I do not need probably that many people anymore, but what I would like to have the people to get triggered by the AI. Hey, look, there is a potential upsell potential. We would like to have it this way. That was the discussion before. A quick summary. Now please join the call. All right. Mm. That would, that would be an interesting one. It's also an. Um unblocking there's a big there's a mass amount of data in the contact center and we've been recording for years we've probably been transcribing but nobody really not many that i see really efficiently mine that data particularly when you get to smaller contact centers like the very big ones probably have a data okay. team but the the ai unlocking like you say if you could take all the upsell calls over the last six months and have ai say what are the commonalities of these successful upsells the the value you can unlock from that data is amazing yeah. And you can take that back, right? When we started 14 years ago, it was about the work for, uh, workflow editor we just talked about at the very beginning, which was transformative, yeah. right? And now we have moved into the cloud, which was transformative and also gives the contact center. When I started, contact center were typically deployed in customers with about a thousand people, right? Before that, no one was actually able to afford a contact center. Yeah. Now with cloud, it moves into Okay, it gets affordable for everyone um, because you only pay what you actually need. There is now a huge project at the beginning. Right. And now we're going to talk about the other piece. Oh, yeah, only the big ones have this kind of data and the AI department who are looking into that and data mining it. And I really believe what you said is over the next one to two years, this will come down and, and this technology will be available on affordable costs as well for midsize and smaller uh, customers. Yeah, and sometimes the mid-side customers are quicker to make the jump because they, they have the agility, right? So we saw this with cloud, like the, the mid-size went first because they saw all the upside and they didn't have the, the draggy heels of massive environments. So yeah, it'll be okay. interesting to watch. Cool. Philip, thanks for taking the time. We've, we've definitely gone a little bit longer than we intended, but I wanted <laughs> to get that. deep on that. So I appreciate you taking the extra time. If people want to find out more, uh, best thing, hit the website, I assume. Hit the website, join us on LinkedIn, follow us on LinkedIn. Yeah, there's where all the news gets ripped or, or sign up for the newsletter on the website as well. Um, there's where we get all the news out. That's for sure. Awesome. 
Cool. Thanks for it. And again, thanks for the support of everything at Empowering Cloud. Appreciate you guys being on early and supporting us. Uh, and everybody out there, um, you've got any comments, questions or feedback, uh, do let us know. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Tom, for having me here. Bye-bye.